Today on the podcast, we're doing something just a little bit different. As I look back and celebrate one year of the Phone Calls with Clever People podcast, I'm joined by my good friend Rowan Dredge from episode one. He joins me again to turn the tables and interview me for this episode. In this episode, we take time to reflect on where this all started, what's changed, what we're noticing in the world, and what I've learned from over 52 interviews with very clever people, along with what's next for me. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Shane Michael Hatton and I'm the host of Phone Calls with Clever People. I'm a Queenslander by birth, Melbourneian by choice, curious by nature and a creative at heart. I'm a leadership speaker, author, trainer and coach helping to develop remarkable people leaders, the kind of leaders that you talk about and remember. I love every opportunity I get to talk all things leadership, culture and communication and it's an absolute privilege to host this podcast. Now, over to my good friend Rowan Dredge to kick off this interview. Well, this is fantastic to be able to have a conversation with the original clever man himself, Shane Hatton. At least that's what I call you. Thanks, Ro. I think that's uh, that's definitely a title. When a lot of people come on the podcast, they always think that they always say things to me like, "It's called Phone Calls with Clever People. Why did you invite me onto the show?" And I always laugh, and I'm like, "No, no, no. You're the most clever person that I know." And it, I realize now what it's like to be on the other side of someone else calling you clever. It's a little bit intimidating. Yeah, well, we do run in a crowd of people that have this tension between owning their expertise but wanting to be humble at the same time. And I will say both as a friend and a colleague, I see you doing a great job at that. So this is just a wonderful opportunity to reflect on the work that you've done with the podcast. And also, uh, I must admit personally, I'm delighted to have been invited back to uh, what you and I were calling a tradition. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the first tradition that I have on the podcast. Like this is um, when I first kicked off the, the podcast, I think this is now episode 53. So we've done 52 episodes of phone calls with clever people, um, which is kind of the equivalent of one one a week um, over the last year or year and a bit. I think um, we do somewhere between 12 and 13 episodes a season. So this is like the end of like season four or something like that. The truth is, it's just a year of podcasting. Um, And I realized that I haven't had any traditions on the podcast. And so last year, we wrapped up the year with you interviewing me. And this year, the kind of time rolled around. I was like, okay, if we do it a second time, that becomes a tradition, right? Well, if you're my nine-year-old son, absolutely. In (laughs) fact, you know, in the last 24 hours, dad, we always get ice cream after pizza. So his tradition is something uh, related to the consumption of pizza is connected to him getting extra ice cream, which in fact we did. So uh, tradition now it's is, an expectation, uh, not just a tradition. It, well, yeah. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> so does that mean when season five rolls around, like, do I like set in my diary? Hey, Shane, block it um, out I'm every ready. year indefinitely moving forward. <laughs> yeah. This time of year, you can expect it. See, I think though, the, the, the reason why this is good is from my perspective, we actually get to turn the tables uh, to mix the metaphors a little bit. We actually get to switch phones and say, 
come on, Shane, we want to actually hear about you. We want to hear about your thoughts, your observations, what you're seeing, what the, what the clever people are talking to you about, because as a podcast host myself, don't you think it's the most incredible privilege to be sitting on the other side of the microphone, listening to an expert unpack their work and their observations and the, what they're seeing, their intent. It's just, it's a sacred space in my view. It's really special. And it's it's funny because when I think back to when the first po- the podcast first started unintentionally, which we'll touch on shortly, I'm sure, um, I remember getting a message from somebody and I actually, I'm pretty sure I sent you the message and a person had, t- had sent me a message and said, look, I'm really excited about the podcast. Think it's great, you know, cheering you on for it, but I don't know that you should be using the word clever in your podcast. And I kind of didn't really understand. And so I went back and tried to get a bit more information. And the person had said to me, look, I feel like when you call people clever, it brings up these associations of, you know, people's childhood and not being very bright and not being very smart. And it can be quite confronting for people. I remember sending you the message going like, am I, am I missing something here? Have I not seen this? And I think um, you were really encouraging at that time in terms of the, the kind of the language for it. And I think it's important to, to distinguish for people who do listen to the podcast because it's a chance to the difference between like being smart and what I would describe as the cleverness that each person has within them. So some people call it zone of genius. Other people call it their expertise. But like, I think everybody has that little bit of cleverness in them. And that cleverness is for me, that way of pulling out, you know, it could be a, a parent who's at home with their kids and they learn something that works. And I'm like, that's a cleverness that's worth sharing with somebody else. It could be someone who's written a book. It could be you know, a person who's made a, you know, a decision at a leadership level that's impacted the the globe. Like every layer, I think, is a, an element of cleverness. And so I would say every person is clever or has a cleverness within them. And so it's been nice to be able to sit with people and share that. I think from uh, from memory, part of my response was also encouraging you to own the title as a reflection of what you wanted to bring to to your listeners and what you wanted to bring to the conversation. And I think the subtext of that's really important because what I heard you say just then was everybody's got a clever. Yeah. And what what I'm doing is I'm just picking people and talking to them about their clever. And I think I think that's. I think that's true. Yeah. And I I don't think we see enough of that in the world of work. I don't think we see enough of the way I say it is if you see it in them, say it to them. Yeah. And uh, we, we just don't see enough of the culture of work and how we're working together where we're actually stopping each other and saying, whoa, whoa, hang on a minute. Are you aware that what you just did is really a natural talent there? It's, and it's world-class and it makes a difference in this way. Mm. I think I really truly believe that if we can elevate the clever, I think, I think we've got something special, which, which is what your podcast has done. And, and as you know, and people that listen to us riff know we're friends and we're also professional colleagues and we're, we're, we're really wanting to see each other succeed and, and work those things out. So the hours we get, to spend talking about different things that we're creating or what we're doing. We've, in fact, we at the time that we're recording this, you've got something to talk to me about and I've got something to talk to you about. <laughs> so, um, yep. you know, and so, you know, we, you've done a number of these and firstly acknowledge the sacred space, but take us back and just remind us why, why this podcast, what was the seed of it where you thought, you know what, this is what I want to deliver. This is what I want to bring. Mm. 
You know what's funny is I didn't want to start a podcast intentionally. I didn't want to do one because it was right in the middle of the kind of um, those first waves of the global pandemic and everyone kind of was starting a podcast and it was the thing to do. And I just went, nah, that's not what I want to do. And it, the, the funny story behind Phone Calls of Clever People and the way it started, for those who don't know, maybe you've joined in partway through the season, I... I was approved to go live on LinkedIn, on my on my LinkedIn profile. I'd been waiting to go live for a long time, but I didn't love the idea of going live and just sitting there talking to myself or, you know, kind of having a conversation and, you know, just essentially talking for 20 minutes on my own. And LinkedIn at the time didn't have a platform that allowed you to go live with other people. And so I was trying to work out ways that I could make it work and happened to have a, a system or a kind of... Uh, a piece of hardware that allowed me to connect my phone to my microphone and then put that into my computer. And so I remember calling you and going, hey, I've been approved to go live on LinkedIn, but I don't want to go live on my own. Can I just put your audio in and can you and I just have a conversation and I'll record it and I'll live stream it. And then that happened over and over and over again. So the first 12 episodes of the podcast were me going live on LinkedIn every week and just having conversations, which were essentially just phone calls with clever people that I knew. And afterwards, when I finished, I put all the episodes on SoundCloud because people kept messaging me going, oh, have you got that episode? I'd love to hear this with this guest. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll upload it on SoundCloud and I'll send you the SoundCloud link. And I was, I realized that I had accidentally created a podcast. Um, and it was just as much effort to put them on SoundCloud as it was to put them on a podcasting platform, which made it available for everybody. So that's essentially where the whole podcast started. Yeah, that's fantastic. So that's a, such an interesting <laughs> point because how many things that we love doing, we started because we had some enthusiasm about it. We felt like it could add value, but then it becomes a thing. Yeah. So take me through, if we call that the birth of the podcast, what would be the, uh, what, what, what would be the emerging, you know, at 52 podcasts, the average pod, podcast show peters out at 12. Right. Okay. So because people realize it's too hard, they're not interested, they don't know enough clever people or people aren't saying yes to them, various sort of whatever, for whatever reason. But, you know, the back end of a podcast is much harder work than the front end. So how did how did phone calls with clever people evolve? Mm. And now over three and four seasons, what are you seeing has changed, not just in the conversations you're having with your guest, because we'll unpack this season in a little bit more detail, but also in you, mm. your perspective, how you're approaching it, what you see as a priority as a, as a, as a host, not just a guest. Yeah. It's interesting reflecting on the, the progression and or the evolution of the podcast, because you're right. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes. And I remember the first season and the second season, I was editing everything myself and I was so pedantic over the quality and the caliber of everything I wanted to put together. And to the point, to the point where probably most people, and you know, if you don't have an audio background, the kind of average consumer probably wouldn't recognize the difference between where I was editing and then when I started to bring on an editor to start working on the podcast. And and I probably held on to lots of things and it was kind of, it was quite challenging to do everything that goes into creating the podcast. And as I started to release the kind of back end stuff, it allowed me to be more present and think through just making the interviewing as, um, high caliber as that I, as I could so that it meant, you know, less of the editing, but I didn't have to worry about having that in the back of my mind while I was having a conversation like, oh, how would I take that? Or how would I edit that? It just allowed me to stay present. I think the thing that has emerged for me in, in the, in the podcast is that there is this um, progression or this kind of 
depth of conversation that I would say goes from small talk to good talk to real talk. And every kind of episode or every interview that you do, and you would see this as well, because you guys interview you know, heaps of incredible thought leaders in um, the Four Leaders Global podcast. But you, you start off the conversation with this, you know, tell me about yourself, tell me about your story. And people tell that all the time. And that usually takes a, a fair chunk of time to get through that storytelling kind of aspect. Then you start to get to this good conversation, which is like, what did you learn? Like, what did you take away from that? And then it's like, it's almost like just at the end of the podcast, you get this tipping point where you start to get that real talk. And it's like, really helpful stuff, really honest, really vulnerable, like the kind of life change defining moment stuff. And you're like, oh, that's our time. And you're like, I just got like a snippet of real talk. And one of the things that I've realized is that the quicker I can get through the small talk and the good talk and get to the real talk, the more that that's helpful for people. And so there's two questions that I started asking every guest that come on the show. And the the two questions were, um, what's something that you could get lost in time talking about? What's the thing that brings you the most energy and excitement to talk about? And what's the thing that you're sick to death of talking about? Because lots of the guests that come on the show, on the podcast, they do lots of podcasts. And the last thing I want to do is spend 20 to 30 minutes at the start of our interview doing small talk that they've done on six or seven podcasts. And so the quicker you can get to that real talk, the quicker you start get to stuff that's actually going to help people. Yeah, and I noticed that about you uh as a master preparer, I, I see that as um, an experience that when you're hosting the podcast, you actually bring your best self for the sake of the guest. I noticed that I've experienced that and I've actually seen it grow and develop. So the real talk piece is a very, very interesting one because again, you, you're a good friend, you're a, a good colleague. And I think this season has probably captured uh, as a motif the real talk piece in a number of different ways and you probably described it better than better than I could just around that me and and you mm. angle and I'd, I'd love you to unpack that for us and then we can dive into this season reflecting on the lessons of this season in, in a little bit more detail but that that plus the real talk uh, approach seemed to me to be what brought the gold out of this season and what brought that intimacy and the depth of conversation. And in some ways, confession in the sense that, you know what, this is what it's been like trying to run a practice that delivers in room services to people where rooms are closed and, mm. you know, all these sorts of things um, and what that's brought up for me and how I've approached it. And, and so just elaborate on that, that me, you piece as well. And then mm. we can pick up the season itself. Yeah, I mean, if I think about the the episodes that have gone the furthest, and and um, you know, the only way we really tell a bit about that is is downloads, and it's you know, the truth is, it's never really been about downloads. For me, it's about like how does this actually serve people, and if it does, then people will naturally share that with other people, and so you see you know, the, it's not about the stats or the data, but the data does tell a bit of a story about its reach and its influence. And if you look at the episodes this season that had that kind of reach and impact, um, not just in terms of downloads, but stories that came back as a result of it, they're stories like the interview that I had with Alicia Mackay, where it was a totally unplanned and unexpected conversation around mental health. And it came out because one of the questions I asked is like, hey, how you doing? Like, how's things going? Like, um, what's the thing that you're thinking about right now? What's energizing you to talk about? And what came up is she said, you know, I'm not doing okay. And it's been really tough and it's been really hard. And I was like, well, 
do you feel comfortable talking about that? And she said, yeah. And so we hit record and we just dived into this real talk. And that was one of the examples of let's cut out the small talk and get let's get to real. And and when people hear real, that stuff resonates and it's helpful. And so I think one of the things that I saw throughout the season was this consistent theme of, because it's a leadership podcast at the end of the day, it's 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 designed to help leaders and 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 people in businesses um, to be more effective leaders. That was the whole goal of it. And one of the things that consistently came through was there's this focus on me as a leader. So before it's about how do I serve you? How do I help you? How do I better you? You know, there were conversations around, you know, Holly Ransom's one of the first conversations we had with her is around, can anybody be a leader? And overcoming that mindset of, can I actually be a leader? And then, you know, we talk about Alicia Mackay and, and mental health. We talk to um, uh, Chris Freeman around how do you get wisdom, talking about um, Suze Chadwick around how to, you know, be bold and stop playing a small game or Leanne um, Hughes on resistance and overcoming resistance. So there's like this focus on me as the leader and how do I get better and yet at the same time every one of those also had an element of to help me be better I need you so it's this nice intersection between me and you I need to get better as a leader but I cannot do that without you and one of the quotes that stood out to me that just has resonated in the back of my mind this entire season was one that Holly Ransom talked about in the very first episode and it was an example that she'd shared with her mentor um, who had said to her just because your perspective is right doesn't mean it's the only one. And this idea that we have to develop ourselves because we need to be better as leaders, but we can't be better without other people because we need other people's perspectives. We need other people to share their input to help us to grow and improve. So yeah, intersection of me and you has been really important in this season. It picks up this thing that we both believe in, in leadership, which is we use the word authenticity, perhaps overused because we've all got, you know, there's a, there's a wide view in terms of the definition of that. But what I'm hearing you talk about there is this beautiful connection between normalizing leadership. <laughs> uh, it's, this is, these are days where my mental health's not great. And uh, these are, this is what resistance looks like. And, and this is what's happening if you're slowly edging your way into a smaller game and uh, these sorts of things. So there's a sense in which I'm hearing a normalizing, like I can relate to these things and equally inspiring people to what what's possible and what could be and what what's happening around you that can can even inspire you and others and uh i'm just curious just to hear that just to hear you riff about about that 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 beautiful kind of humanity and clever uh connecting together and having those conversations is that a right understanding yeah yeah i think so i i think one of the things that has definitely shone through from people is the last year has kind of scattered people in many ways. It's scattered people to their own homes. It's scattered people away from offices. It's scattered people, you know, into kind of their five kilometer, 10 kilometer, 15 kilometer radiuses of what they can do. And it's kind of amplified this need for, um, for other people. And, and we've seen what actually can take place when we're not in the company of other people all the time. And so we've seen both of these worlds and we've probably undervalued just how much we get out of being around other people. Um, whether it's a conversation in a hallway, whether it's just a, a collaborative meeting that's not done on Zoom, that you get to read the real kind of body language of the room. Like we, there's so many unspoken things that we get from, from just being around other people. 
And I think that's been kind of really highlighted for me in the last kind of 18 months, two years. Um, and I think one of the things that I love about the podcast is that I get to have those moments with other people in the conversation of the podcast where they share something that sparks my own creativity and ideas. And, and I love that. That, um, iron sharpening iron or the Ubuntu idea is I am me because of we is I think again, it's the, it's the sacred privilege of the conversations we get to have. And you, we, we get to sit front row with a life-changing conversation with a fantastic person and then give that to as many people as we can. And I think that's the beauty of, of the medium. So I'm curious, you're a, you're a good noticer. You're, you're a good listener. What across the course of, of this season, it being more personal in terms of personal leadership, but then the importance of community and connectedness, what are you seeing thematically come out across these conversations? Mm. Yeah, I mean, almost every person I've spoken to has had their own perspective of what has been amplified during COVID. Um, and everybody's kind of expertise has been kind of become more prominent throughout the pandemic. So for example, you talk to somebody like Mel Kettle, who's a communication expert and, you know, the need to communicate throughout the pandemic has been amplified and it's just become so, so important. Um, you look at, you know, people like, um, Kiara Lancaster who talked about leading ourselves out of lockdown. And, and part of that is that, um, feeling like we're constantly looking to other people to try and lead us out of our, um, circumstances, but the responsibility we have to ourselves to actually lead ourselves. Well, you've got people like, um, Luke Mathers who just recently in the podcast, we talked about stress and the good side of stress and how that can make a difference. And so, everyone kind of has their own thing that has been amplified throughout the pandemic, but probably one thing that um, kind of unites all of them is that it's always, always a good time for leaders to, to step up and to, to really take charge and take, take the lead. Um, regardless of whether it's about burnout, whether it's about resilience, whether it's about mental health, whether it's about, you know, um, communication, all of those areas all just highlight the need for a leader. And I think over the last 18 months, and you will have seen it as well, leaders um, that are leading well are the leaders that are um, leading successful organizations that are performing better, that are adapting better, that their people are in a better place mentally. Um, the leaders that are leading well are actually going to be the leaders that have, will be remembered um, going beyond the pandemic. And so for me, it was just every conversation was just another a highlight um, or, or signpost to great leadership within an organization and within our lives. It's so, it's so fascinating to hear that because in some ways there's this reminder of the fundamentals mm. along the way. And I think the piece that I'm enjoying is when you're hearing somebody talk about what's possible, what matters, what's important, but also what the honest journey to getting there looks like. Mm. So with that in mind, what have you noticed about the hard stuff with the sense of this season coming, the season of the podcast coming to a close? What, what have you noticed about the challenges that have been brought up by your guests and perhaps even challenges that you've noticed in your own self as we navigate towards the preferred future? So that, that sense that most people don't, 
jump on conversations and go, well, I did this wrong and I did that wrong. And, you know, I've got the, I imploded my career story because it's true. Uh, <laughs> not, I'm not proud of it, but it's still true. But I learned so much from it. So the hard stuff, what have you noticed that you that our guests have been saying, you've been seeing, or you may even have experienced yourself across the, the course of this season? Mm. I don't think any guest not just this season, but in the entirety of the podcast or any person that I've had a conversation with will ever look back at their failures or their struggles or their challenges negatively if they share it as learning. I think every person that I've talked to where I've said like, talk me through something that's been challenging for you. Tell me, talk me through, you know, some of the biggest issues that you've had to navigate. They almost always look back at it and it sounds funny with almost like a bit of fondness, like that sense of like, oh, it was it was really tough. And I'm not sure, I'm interested to hear your thoughts as well, like what you've seen from people around, you know, COVID, like we're both based in Melbourne, um, where we're just outside, we were just outside of each other's five kilometer radius for a little while. And then, you know, one of the things I've found is that like, when you talk to people, there is this sense of camaraderie that builds through challenge and difficulty. And whenever someone is sharing um, a challenge or a difficulty, but they get to share the learning from it, it energizes the conversation. And it reminds me of um, this amazing quote. I can't remember who it's from, um, but it was this idea that um, we often end up grateful for the things we would have given anything to avoid. And I, and I love that idea that we, in the moment, it's the most challenging and difficult and confronting and painful circumstances. But if we look back at it through the lens of learning, we almost always become grateful and see it with um, a sense of, uh, yeah, energy and um, and it creates a, a great camaraderie with people. And being able to articulate those challenges as part of the journey and then the lessons as part of the journey, I think becomes really, really important. Uh, you, you made reference to the distance that we, you and I live from each other and we're, you know, we're regular uh, coffee catch-ups when we can. And I missed that. And right. We, we missed that. And, uh, and uh, at the time of recording, you know, the most emerging from the most recent uh, lockdown that Melbourne's had, that actually knocked me around personally. Uh, It knocked, it knocked my focus around. It knocked my motivation around. It knocked my energy around. But again, as you were saying, you know, okay, what's going on? What I learned was the quicker I actually reach out to someone that knows what's going on, the quicker I can reframe that and uh, and and work out what some steps uh, to 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 adjusting um, the impact has been, and uh, and so that's humbling in a way because you start to realise that um, that we really do. Jim Rowan says each of us needs all of us. Mm. And uh, I wonder if one of the lessons that we're learning about leadership, about work, about life is that the longer we do it, the more we've got the opportunity to give to others, give of our best, give of our, our clever as, as you know, in the context of this conversation, Mm. but also receive and uh, receive of other people's, genius receive of other people's clever receive of other people's narrative and their story and their lesson Mm. and that to me that becomes beautiful that becomes 
wow, okay, so that's what you're telling me about mental health or that's what your story is or your story about resistance or stress or, or money. And you go, I can learn so much from so many people. Um, I, I think it was Dwight Morrow. He said, I don't just use all the brains I've got, but all the brains I can borrow. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I feel like it feels a little bit like that's a great summary of, of this season. Mm. Was there, was there, I want to talk about what you're focusing on now and next, but were there any, if I said, Shane, you got three, there were three standout lessons for you over the course of this season that you went, all right, banking them, they're going to become part of the story of Shane and how I, how I live my life, how I do my leadership. Would, are there three that come to mind? Um, and it's probably one from every episode that comes to mind, but I mean, <laughs> okay, there you go. 13. <laughs> I think the thing that there's a there's a few things. One that I love. That's loved, so true too. It, every, every person has this thing, right? And, and I want to touch on what you just kind of alluded to there, which was this idea that um, getting all the brains you can borrow. One of the things that um, I did see in every episode or every person I spoke to is everyone has someone, someone that has brought perspective to their life, someone that's, invested someone that has helped someone that's advised and it's impacted that person who i'm interviewing and i think one of the things that just highlights that each of us needs all of us is that when we look back through the challenging or the difficult circumstances and we we draw learning from that that's the whole anti-fragile nature of it we get better it helps us to be able to share learning and then part of the podcast journey is that we're sharing the learning from these people and then they become the advisor to other people and it re kind of kicks off this cycle again for somebody else which is so so special and so i'm really grateful for everyone throughout the podcast that shared their lessons their learnings and and their their things from other people but I was doing an interview um, in the last episode um, with Franz Johansson who wrote the Medici effect and he he shared this kind of really simple thought and his whole thought leadership IP is around that um, our best bet for creativity um, is finding intersections between disciplines. So connecting things from that seemingly don't connect. And he has some great stories in there. But one of the things he said was, um, who are the, the usual suspects? And he said, whenever you've got a creative idea or a problem you want to solve, make a list of all the people that you think of that you would go to to ask the answer for that. He said, and then put that list in front of you and intentionally don't go to anybody on that list. And I love that thought because what it does is it forces you to get out of your normal patterns of connectivity and to create new patterns of connectivity and to find new um, intersectional ideas. And that stood with me because it, would, it pulled me back to another conversation that I had with another mutual friend of ours, Chris Freeman, where he talked about the idea of seeking out wisdom and finding those people who can... Um, input into your life and finding those kind of board of advisors that can kind of help you to, um, you know, to create, uh, you know, good um, structures, systems for your life or um, things that are going to help you to set you up for success. And then it links back to the very first episode that I had with Holly Ransom about, um, you know, she said similar things. She talked a lot about all of her mentors. And so there was this kind of common thread around um, finding people in your life that can input into you and not just having people that are like you, same kind of person, um, find people that sit outside of your um, field of expertise or education. And I loved that idea. So that's probably the first one was like, find great people and find great people outside of your usual people. 
And so <laughs> I think that was probably one of the biggest themes that stood out to me. Um, the second one would have been probably around just some of the mental health conversation, um, which would be um, find someone you know, to talk to. Um, because I think we often try to manage and navigate these things as though they're an isolated situation just for us. And the more we talk to people, the more normal we feel. And so um, when someone's having a hard time, my issue is not just to find someone who's, yes, find someone who's an expert, find someone who's trained, all really important things, but just find someone. And um, you'd be surprised if you just talk to someone, someone else probably has a very similar experience or something that they've gone through that normalizes your own experience. Um, so I reckon those probably just two, I'm not gonna give you three. I think those two are the big ones, which is like find someone to talk to when, you, when you're going through challenging times um, and then find someone to talk to when you're looking to kind of take the next step forward, which is um, outside of your usual suspects of people to help you to navigate the future. It's just so refreshing to hear that there are those people available to us, but the corollary of that, and I was thinking this while you were you sharing, is that we and our listeners can be those people as well. Mm. We can be the one that's available to, 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 to normalize somebody's experience. And we can be the one that can provide that alternate perspective as well, which I think I think's very useful. Like what, what am I not seeing? What am I not hearing? What am I not thinking about? That, old, that sort of flipping the, the script, I think's mm. a very useful one. And I think we underestimate the power of validation, the power of, Hey, I see you. I hear you. I, I notice you. So when when I got told, all right, you're not in burnout and you're not depressed, I'm like, okay, that's helpful because my head's as foggy as it's ever been. Mm. I've never ever faced some of these challenges in my life, and now I'm not really sure what to do because it's new. And but to be validated and to have a step to make the the change. And that principle is just true across, in my view anyways, it is just true across everything we experience. Mm. You personally have morphed some of your messaging and some of the work that you're doing and you're doing some really interesting things at the moment. So across the course of the, the season, what's changed for you in or deepened or, or widened in a way for you in terms of the, the work that you're focusing on right now? Mm. I think one of the things that the last 18 months has done for a lot of people, we're hearing lots of conversation at the moment about the great resignation. I'm sure you're on, you're seeing it on your LinkedIn too. It's, it's everywhere. And I think as you know, we're both coaches. And I think one of the things we know in coaching is that whenever you see a problem, that's surfacing it's generally the the symptom rather than the cause it's usually the the results and not necessarily the root issue and i think the great resignation is is a symptom uh, from what i've seen whether or not it touches australia whether it you know whether people believe it's real or not whatever that kind of thing is for people right now i don't think anyone could argue that the last you know 18 months has caused probably a great reevaluation because um, I don't think we've ever had as much time to reevaluate our lives um, with a lot of things being taken from us. And so things that we probably wouldn't have voluntarily given up. Like you think about your weekly schedule, how many things got taken off you from things that you had to do, things that you probably just wouldn't have voluntarily given up. You just would have kept going through life day to day. And it's forced us with all this additional time. And you had there's only so much banana bread and sourdough that you could bake through lockdown to get away True. from your own thoughts. 
Um, but you have to reevaluate. And so people are reevaluating life. And so, I, I mean, I have as well. I've reevaluated what, what do I want my practice to look like? What do I want to do? And I think coming out the other side of whatever is next for us, it's going to um, just put a spotlight on to the things that really, really matter within businesses and organizations. And so I've been doing my best to kind of prepare for that um, as a practice, like do, do thinking and, and do the work that's required to help um, leaders and organizations on the other side of this, which for me is the conversation that's always been important, always been critical, but it's a conversation about culture. That that sort of kind of sits in this conversation with a, with this really dot, dot, dot for me, because I then go, okay, how that's something that you, it's both a conclusion and it's a beginning. Yeah. It's a big idea. And so I, I guess to the extent that you can share, because I, I know there's some really exciting uh, ideation going on for you, for you right now. I'd love to hear about the journey through communication to culture and back around again, because I think that's, I think that's a beautiful part of what you're bringing to, to, to market in the next little while. So I've got a bunch of questions to follow on, but that's my first one. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the exciting thing is, is, you know, people may or may not know, but I'm writing my second book, um, which is a book on culture. And um, it's I'm literally, as we talk now, I'm, I'm, I'm deep in writing. Um, I've pretty much finished up all of my delivery work for the year and I've, I've got a deadline, which is like coming like a a train down the tracks at me at the moment. Um, But we've just finished essentially three months of research um, with McCrindle Research as a research company here in Australia. And we've been looking into the the topic of culture, Um, more specifically, the topic of culture through the lens of people leaders. Um, All of my work is, you know, probably the last time you and I interviewed, we talked about this idea of remarkable leadership, which is remarkable people leaders. People write the meat in the sandwich, not in the C-suite, not executive levels, not on kind of employee level. They're right in the middle of the organization. And I realized that there's a lot of information out there around culture when it comes to executive leadership or organizational leadership, but not a lot about how people leaders influence and shape culture within a business. And I feel like if you're going to tackle a beast like culture, which is so, so big and complex, you need to be really thorough in the work that you do. And so I basically went to McCrindle and I said to them, hey, I need to know what people leaders think. I need to know what they they believe about culture. You know, what comes to mind when they, do they believe their role is when it comes to shaping culture and building culture? What do they need? What, what do they need help with? And so we essentially um, researched a thousand um, managers across Australia and started to kind of get some of these insights. And essentially the book is going to be a product of that research, giving people what I would say is the how-to, um, the go-to how-to for people leaders, not for organizational leaders, not for executives. I mean, it's helpful for them by all means, but it's specifically for people right in the middle of the organization that says, hey, here's how to create the team culture that you want. And that becomes, I think, a really important part of it in, in our and in, in the practice that I'm part of. We, we call those people the subculture leaders. Mm-hmm. And I think we underestimate them. So they're the people that have people above them, beside them and below them and live with those tensions. They live with the complexities. They live with the tensions. They live with the lost in translations. So what I'm hearing you say is you're really unpacking what's going on for them and then what might deepen and accelerate the transmission and the ownership of culture in the organization with that level of person. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's written specifically for them. And I, I think, you know, John Maxwell has a great quote. I'm sure it's a, a much broader quote than that, which is, you know, leadership's the problem. Leadership's the answer. Um, I actually think like, again, leadership is another one of those big topics, big, broad, wide concept. 
I would suggest that like even sitting below that is most of our biggest issues in an organization or a team are a communication issue and they can be resolved through better communication. And so given that communication's my jam, lead the room, you know, my first book was all about leader communication. The second book is definitely still a communication book, but it's a communication lens across across culture. And because I actually think that um, culture can be influenced, it can be shaped through more effective communication with the team within a team. And so in the book, we're actually going to give leaders the conversations they actually need if they're going to create the team that they want, which is usually the lens that we have across culture. When people say, what is culture? There's a big conversation that we could get into around that. But people generally, when they talk about culture, is like they just go, well, what kind of team do I want? That's really what they're, what they're looking to kind of create. And so we're going to give them the conversations that they need to ultimately create the team that they want, whatever that is, whether that's a collaborative team, an innovative team, whether it's a team that, you know, yeah, any kind of uh, descriptors under the sun that we could attach to that. Yeah, it's and again, that's it's going far enough down the rabbit hole to be able to identify what the piece of gold is. I think that's really important. So I love the idea of the TED wish. Okay, I just think this is a fantastic concept. It's a great metaphor. So as you're thinking about reflecting on the lessons of of this season, you're thinking about creating new work which is what you're doing out of the results of the 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 study that you've done and the writing that you're doing what's your hope if we look forward uh three months six months to the next time i get invited to this tradition even (laughs) Uh, (laughs) thank you thank you uh what's your hope for what you're learning and how you're bringing that to market and the people that will experience this what's your ted wish Gosh, that's, I, I, do I get three wishes? Is it like a genie? Do I do I get to rub the lamp? Well, the way we the way we work is we want the never ending packet of Tim Tams <laughs> in terms of wishes, right? So I, I I what I want to hear is for for your listeners is I want them to hear what it is that's keeping you awake at night because you're excited about the possibilities of this work, and so I to me. It doesn't matter how many points you make along the way. I really want to hear the heart of this and the passion of it. Mm. I think the thing that has always been my wish with the podcast and the work that I do has been that we would have better leaders. And the reason why I chose remarkable leaders in everything that I kind of talk about and do is I think about those leaders that have made the biggest impact on our life. If, if I was to, you know, if you're listening to this and I go, who's a leader that has made the biggest impact on you? Like straight away, that first face, name, picture, moment that came to your mind, that's the kind of remarkable leader, the person that stands out in your mind that's made a difference. And I think those leaders are the ones we need more of in the world. And so my wish for the podcast and the practice and everything that the book, everything that I'm working on is to replicate more of those because I think my what I hope would be legacy is to have multiplied impact on the planet. And I think leadership is the multiplier of impact on the planet. Like I could, you know, write books for people and it would, you know, make a difference. I could, you know, record a podcast and make it fun and create some humor and people would get some enjoyment out of it. But I think if I get the privilege, which I do to share people's cleverness, to share their learning, that helps someone lead that little bit better, that maybe becomes that remarkable leader 
for the person on their team, then that person has multiplied impact and it kind of branches out from there. And, and my goal at the end of the day is just how do I multiply impact on the planet? And the way that we do that is just leaders. Yeah. I'm, I'm so grateful for that. And I'm grateful that you've lent into the fears. I'm grateful that you've lent into the challenges. I'm grateful that you capture conversations with people whose story mirrors our own. And, uh, as I said, you know, it's no, uh, it's no secret that we're friends. It's no secret that we're colleagues. It's no secret that we're cheering each other on. And I'm, I'm professionally and personally delighted that you're doing this work. I think there are, there are leaders on the other side of your diligence that are going to thank you because you will capture what they think, but they've been unable to say and what they need, but they weren't sure how. And I'm, I'm really confident of that with your work. Knowing people will want more of what you do and more of, uh, of what you bring. Um, I know it's your podcast and <laughs> they're, 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 your name's all over it. And, uh, but specifically, what's the best way for someone to reach out to you over, over the, the Christmas period and the new year? Yeah, I mean, I, I probably want to say just, just first before I, I do that, like thank you to the people who do listen to the podcast because um, I know yeah. I know I get comments and people and feedback from people all the time about it and most of the time I'm interviewing guests and so I'm not talking necessarily directly uh, to people in the audience of the podcast I'm usually having a conversation and it feels a little bit like people are eavesdropping on it and when I started the podcast my goal was to record something that was like you know when you have a conversation with someone you're like oh that was such a good call I wish everyone else could have heard that that was the kind of intention of it. So it's not necessarily me directly talking to people who are listening. Um, but given that you and I are in this space and I can, I, I want to say thank you to the people who listen. Um, yeah. And I and I do hope that it's it's helpful and it, that it serves you. And I'll do it. I'll continue doing the podcast as long as it serves people. Um, and and I, I'm really grateful for the privilege to be able to have interviewed some phenomenal people and will continue to interview some phenomenal people. But more importantly, I'm, I'm grateful for people who take the time to actually invest in themselves by listening. Um, and so again, probably the best way if people do want to connect with me ongoing, just keep, you know, jumping on the podcast and listening, connect on LinkedIn. There's all the links in the show notes for how people can get in touch with me. Um, and then I would say sign up to um, my newsletter, um, which is, you know, my leadership thoughts designed to make you think, uh, but it's also the first place I, I share with people about information about my upcoming book and, you know, all the kind of exciting things that come up in my practice. So that's probably the best way. Yeah. When you were sharing that point of gratitude, I, um, I'm reminded that my, my, I've been taking my kids through a, uh, the early introductions to Coldplay and, uh, and uh, they've uncovered a, a children's choir that's been singing covers of Coldplay songs. And so then I had my, my, I was just sitting with my son and then I took him to the live version of that. And one of the things I noticed on on watching Chris Martin live is in nearly every single one of the videos that I, I've watched live, he stops and says, thank you everybody for coming. Mm. And I just, it, just in the last couple of weeks, and I just appreciate the idea that we can have a conversation on, you know, any, any day ending in why that can for, forever sit here and appreciate the people that listen, appreciate the people that invest their time into our IP and appreciate uh, their commitment to wanting to be a remarkable leader. And I appreciate that about you. Um, Thanks, bro. 
Great. Thank you. Thank you for the conversation. Thank you for your reflections and your wisdom. And I'm really curious as to when we do two, three or four more of these, I'd like to listen back and see what's changed and developed and, uh, and matured and evolved in, in, in our conversation and our thinking, but thank you. You are a clever person. You deserve <laughs> to be on, you deserve to be on your own podcast. And, uh, also, uh, again, I know that, uh, this is not exactly recent, but happy birthday for the last couple of days. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Ro. I appreciate it. And again, and and thanks for all you do as well with the Four Leaders Global Podcast. Um, we, we we have so many overlaps and it's why we're such good friends and um, in terms of our our heart and purpose for, you know, what we want to do with leaders. And um, I f- feel like it's a nice crossover if people are in this space looking for a, a great leadership podcast that can jump over as well. Um, I know that if they love this podcast, they're going to love your podcast because we're, we're two peas in a pod really <laughs> so yeah well we love it too i just i feel i pinch myself that i have conversations with the people that we do so thank you thanks Ray. that's it for another week of phone calls with clever people thank you so much for taking the time to invest in you by checking out the podcast make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the episodes as they're released and of course i'd love to hear how this has added value for you in the reviews have a fantastic week